going to start off with exciting news. Soon, radio listening is coming to your car. The Battle of the Giants, uh, Paramount Plus launches. That'll be real interesting. Why does the NAB have it so opposed to zone casting? And why did no one show up for Lori Lewis's seminar? We're going to talk about all of these things this week on Media Insultant. Good morning. I'm Jackson Weaver, and my co-host is Mr. Keith Samuels. Keith, I'm going to ask you in Media Insultant to start off with a shameless plug for our podcast. Would you please? Well, clearly, um, people would rather listen to us maybe sometimes than look at us, but not that I'm totally offended by it, but just moderately so. I think the video version of our show on YouTube and uh, on various uh, sites on LinkedIn and, and, and Facebook are phenomenal. But if you're just an audio freak, listen to our, our, our shameless podcast on Apple and wherever podcasts are found. We're there. Just search Media Insultant, singular, and you'll get us there. It'll be pretty fun. And just remember that you know we're just untethered. There's no corporate backing to any of the things that we say or do or represent because we don't work for any of them. We may have in the past, and who knows, they might come begging in the future. They haven't yet. You know, it's always a fun listen. And if you're into just downloading your podcasts on your commute to the office, that one day a month you have to go in and mask up and tune in our podcast and enjoy it. All right. I like that. And, you know, that brings us, uh, we can roll right into the very next topic, which is this phenomenon that Next Gen TV is promoting that they can listen to the radio in car by using a Next Gen TV receiver. And just to give everybody a little bit of background, we have long thought NextGen TV is a solution looking for a problem. Uh, NextGen was heralded as really moving broadcast television into the next generation of IP technology. And that's true. That is true. But I don't see any advantages that NextGen TV has over the current IP platforms that can, be, that can be accessed easily, either with the internet, with Wi-Fi, or with your phone system. So the latest effort, and this is, Keith and I were laughing about this the other day, because the latest effort is in-car usage. You know, they're now excited about the fact that they can actually stream audio to your car if you have a built-in next-gen receiver built into your car. So they claim that uh, auto manufacturers are clamoring. They're clamoring. They're beating down the walls asking for a replacement for digital radio or satellite radio. Okay. And, and then apparently Sinclair is also doing another step because they're a big advocate for next gen. They're developing their own phone. Now, how's that? A mobile phone built by Sinclair that has next gen capability. Okay. I can just see tens of millions of iPhone users dropping their iPhone and saying, give me that new Sinclair phone. So, but that's another discussion. And let's remind Sinclair how did that work out for Microsoft? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, at least at least all the salespeople and all the all the employees and all the managers, they'll all have their Sinclair phone. That's right. So, you know, they'll they'll talk about room cube, you know, they'll all have their own phone and they'll all talk to each other on their own phone. Oh, and they all get tracked on their own phone as they go out to make sales calls. So Gary Greenberg and his team over at Como and KPLZ and KBI. All geez, you said on your call report in the CRM that you went to Auburn to make a call on Boone, you know, Boone Scarf or whatever, whatever it is. But you didn't. You went to Starbucks in Bellevue. Yeah, you know, I whatever. You know, I think this whole uh, the battle for the car is 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 um, is is a little bit crazy making. 
you know, in reading up over that over the weekend, there's some some manufacturers that don't even have AM radio in the car anymore. So this may be a you know point where we've got AM stations, we've got to we've got to find a way to get them into the car. At the same time, you've got Sirius, and there's a couple of uh, you know stations on Sirius that are terrestrial stations. Some of the networks they carry are content from national syndicated radio networks. It's a whole hodgepodge. But if I want radio, if I want to listen to my favorite talk show on local radio, I'll use the radio in the car or I'll stream it through my phone. You know, to have to go through all of these hoops, technological hoops to get to, you know, get to my radio show, it just seems, oh, just way, it's just over the top. Why make it so hard? Forget about it. I'm just going to turn it on the bridge on uh, channel 37 on Sirius and, and not have to worry about the spot loads. And that's the other thing that, that Del Caliano was talking about last week as well, is that doesn't anybody get it that with these streaming services and when you go to terrestrial radio, you've got such high spot loads that no one wants to listen to these stations anymore. And this, you know, are you gonna listen to Spotify or are you gonna listen to Pandora with a couple of spots an hour? Or are you gonna listen to, you know, a, a station that's running 15, 16 units an hour? It's, it, there's no, there's no, that's the competition that these guys can't figure out yet, or they know they have, but they just can't do anything about it because they're under such pressure to generate revenue. Let's just drop, drop rates, run as many spots as we can humanly possibly schedule and just hope and pray that we can last through another year. And, the, and they're going to look back a couple of years from now and go, we killed the golden goose. We just ran too many freaking spots and no one wants to listen to us anymore. Well, and this goes to uh, something we talk about often, which is uh, kind of my belief that ultimately we're going to see most media on a subscription basis. Just think about the amount of time you get back if you're not listening to 18 spots an hour on a music station. You know, but, you're listening but, to but, we, but what we haven't uncovered yet, we haven't gotten to that point, but I think we're close. And it probably gets to one of the topics on our agenda today. But at what point are we oversubscribed? How many more subscriptions at $6.99, $9.99, $10.99? Now Netflix has jacked their price up again. How many more? We just sat over the weekend uh, and, and counted up how many subscriptions I buy a month. You know, and it's like, oh, geez, yeah, I got Apple Music and I've got Disney Plus and I've got uh, BritBox because we like niche British programming and and let's see what else do we have, you know. And we started going through all this stuff, you know, Amazon Prime, don't forget Spectrum Cable. So we got all that stuff. At what point are we going, uh, gee, my subscriptions now are as much as my cable subscription was, you know, it's like now I've- It's another house payment, Keith. It's another house payment, another car payment. You know, we're going to get to that point where you're, you're saying the model might be subscription, but there's going to be, it's a pro pro proliferation of subscriptions. And at some point you just go, I've got enough. I'm not watching it. I'm not seeing it. I'm not listening to it. I'm canceling. Well, you'll be excited. Then you have the other option now that uh, Paramount Plus, which I guess was kind of introduced on the Super Bowl. We saw a lot of ads for it. It it rolls out March 4th and it's the, it's the old version of what CBS called uh, All Access. So they're going to, again, be pulling from the library of Paramount and CBS over the years. And, you know, it's kind of their effort to match up with what all of those you just mentioned, Amazon and Netflix and Hulu and everyone else. Your point is good. It's getting expensive. Is even somebody of the size of Paramount, are they too late to the party? Well, no, I don't. I think that everybody anticipated that 
every network or studio or network affiliate with a studio was going to have their own streaming service. So this is just now their time, but it, it's rapidly filling out where you've got Disney plus. So that's Disney, ABC now and Fox 20th century Fox. Now you've got CBS with their Paramount plus because it's better than CBS plus you've got Peacock. So you've got the NBC streaming service at Peacock, uh, well, HBO max. So you got to do HBO. You can't have HBO. You got to have HBO no. max because there's more there. And then we'll put it sometimes on HBO, you know, if you're paying that through the cable. Now we're there. I think we've reached peak streaming service at this point. Now it's going to be, you're going to see the hierarchy kind of settle in, you know, where you've got Netflix and you've got Disney plus, and then you've got HBO max, and then you've got Peacock, and then you've got now uh, Paramount plus, and they'll just be what they'll be. And so, uh, you know, we'll see how, you know, as this gotten to the point where there, there's no one else that's going to enter this field, and there might not be because there's no more freaking content. All the content <laughs> is all owned by these people. Well, you know, along the same line, you know, you, there, there also are all of these ad-supported networks that are OTT that are streamed, specifically Tubi. Peacock is one. Peacock's kind of a freemium model. So the Tubi now has got a batch of news on Tubi. I don't know who came thought Tubi was a catchy branding phrase, but you know, I mean, I just keep thinking booby on Tubi, and you know, just don't think that don't bad think image, that. bad image. But uh, it's owned by Fox, and they now are aggregating about a hundred local news feeds from not only their stations but other stations in um, fifty-eight DMAs. And the thing that I don't understand, I just think this is crazy. Is if I run a local news operation, I'm going to let to be stream my news, take away from my local audience. I don't know. There may be some comp involved in some of this. I'm sure there is, but it just so be, continues to undermine local television news. And I, you know, you see that with stir, you know, Sinclair stations all on stir. Now Sinclair can justify it by saying, well, it comes out of one pocket and goes into the other pocket. Yeah. But I guess my thought is, you know, with all of these platforms, can they piece together some kind of a reasonable audience nationally and still not destroy the local news stations that are generating the content? Well, I don't know that that's the model. The model might be just that, look, we've got our O&Os, as the case with Sinclair, and there's a lot of them. And with Fox, there's a handful of O&Os and, and, uh, and a lot of affiliates. Your local television stations are struggling to try to find a place in this connected TV environment, and they're left out with the streaming stuff. So, I think I think it's a it's an interesting play, and we'll have to see if that does help supplement the audience for some of these stations. That audience is going away from over-the-air television anyway. So if I can still, my viewers can follow me and go, oh yeah, well there's oh there's there's KTLA news or there's uh you know uh, there's my local Fox of news guy. Okay, I can uh, there's I can I can at least stay connected and stay on the app and find that channel. But the other problem is, as you know, is that your remote control now, you know, you've got so much access. You've got, you scroll through, you know, a couple of dozen options on Roku or Apple TV or whatever you use. And it's just, it's, 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 it's getting to be just like going through your cable remote control. You probably sit there with Sue sometimes. You go, Jesus, Sue, we've got 650 channels and we can't find a single thing to watch. <laughs> You're right, Jackson. Let's go to Hulu. And then you know, there's another choice of a thousand things to watch. And then you go, well, what's on Disney Plus? And now, now you're an hour in and it's like, you know, 
forget it. I'm going to bed. Uh, it's 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 not easy, uh, but I think finding a place for local TV in this model makes some sense. It does make sense. It's just going to be a real dislocating thing. And it's particularly yep. hard if you run a local business and want to use that as an advertising medium. TV used to have the reach. You could run ads on Sunday and uh, your showroom filled up on Monday and that's gotten a lot tougher. Well, on the radio side of this whole thing that talking about technology comes our geo-targeting friends that allow radio stations using booster stations to target very specific areas with content specific to the coverage area of that booster. It's called zone casting or zone broadcasting, something like that. And you know, everybody's opposed to it. The NAB now comes out against it. They say it's going to it's gonna drive down rates because advertisers, instead of spending 100 bucks on a spot, are going to spend 10 bucks to just be on that one Zonecast station. And all of the groups, the major groups, have come out against this. Does it stand a ghost chance in hell of ever being implemented by the FCC? Yeah, I think it will. Um, I don't think they, they probably want to, they don't want to stop technological advancements. But this is more of a of a of a broad. This is more of an advertising and competition discussion than it is a technology discussion. The technology exists. Let's let it happen, and you guys figure out what you're going to do with it. And either the market responds and it thrives, or or they don't. I think the sexiness for certain people is that cable is zoned. You know, your newspapers in some places are zoned, or there's community newspapers that only uh, are sent to you know, specific zip codes, direct mail is zoned, you know, everything is fricking zoned, uh, except streaming TV and streaming audio, but well, even Pandora is zoned, you know, sure. you can buy, sure. you can buy can. zones on Pandora. So I think this is a way that, well, we can do it too. Oh no, we can zone too. Come on, you know, give me your budget, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, and that's, you know, that's, that's, it's really amazing how cable divides up these zones because I live on the, LA side, the, the Hollywood side of the Hollywood Hills. And, but yet my head end that services my cable is in Sherman Oaks, which is on the other side, the San Fernando Valley side of the Hills. So while I live on one side of the mountains, the cable head end services my side too. So all of the local advertising that I see on the cable nets for primarily the car dealerships and some of the home services stuff is all for stuff out in the San Fernando Valley. Now, do you know how often I go to the San Fernando Valley? <laughs> and particularly not, in COVID, not like not a lot. We drive through the valley. You know, we'll drive through the valley, but, you know, we're not big valley shoppers. We're not going over the hill unless there's a specific, you know, deal. And so, uh, you know, but that's their zone. Oh, no, we zone our cable. So I think this is, has some appeal to, to, to radio people because we don't zone. Oh, you know what? I don't want to buy KFI because KFI reaches three freaking states. I just want to buy, you know, for like my little store in Glendale. So that little store in Glendale buys a couple of radio stations owned by Salem that service Glendale really well. Okay. So they're not going to buy KFI. Well, in the meantime, you know, everybody on KFI makes a fortune because they do have big reach, but micro reaching on KFI, you know, no, I want to reach the whole freaking market. In fact, I know car dealers who specifically buy KFI because they want to steal business from every other Mercedes-Benz dealer in LA and get them to go to their dealership in Newport Beach. And the only reason that dealership is so massive, the largest Mercedes-Benz dealership in the United States, Fletcher Jones, is because he started it on KFI and he's been crushing it because everybody drives 60 miles to go to Fletcher Jones. 
We're cutting our nose off to spite our face in terms of radio. And I don't think those small businesses are going to buy it at 10 bucks, let alone a hundred bucks anyway. They're just going to buy their, their, their direct mail and maybe they'll buy from the cable guy and maybe they'll buy from their community newspaper and that's it. They're not going to buy the radio. Well, that's, I think that's, that's, uh, oh, there's an enormous amount of truth to that. And the other fact that nobody really talks about is the technical cost of the, the cost of this for the stations. First of all, they got to find a place to put a transmitter. They got to buy a transmitter and antenna. By the time you get done with engineering and buying equipment, you're 50 to hundred grand into it. Time and they out. don't have a 50 or hundred grand. I got the T. Can I trade? Can I do it on trade? Can I do it, Can I do a barter deal? Because that's how these stations do it now, right? Nobody's got any expense money. So you're right. There, no one can afford to do this unless it's a company initiative like next gen. And uh, uh, otherwise, if you guys can't do it on trade, I'm out of here, buddy. Well, and I think one of the reasons we're seeing the large radio groups oppose it is that they can target geographically streaming audio. So they already have that inventory. Now, they don't use it very effectively and they don't sell it very effectively, but they've already got a ton of inventory. The last thing in the world they need is more inventory and something that's going to create problems for listeners as they drive through these areas. The, the booster technology is tough yeah. and most of it has gotten to the point where it does work. But imagine you're driving into it and you're listening to a, a commercial and suddenly you get into the booster range, booster overrides the primary signal and you've got train crash because something else is on the air and then you drive out of it and you're back to your original commercial. Yeah. And, and that segue is probably not very smooth. No. And there's, you know, so there's probably some issues there with signal strength and everything else. But the other thing too, is that, that driving in, in car is one thing, but I think what they're counting on is like in, in home listening, you know, how is it, you know, I'm going to, you know, I have in home listeners in Auburn and I want to, I want to zone cast them, you know, by the way, kids, if they're listening at home, you know, I hate to tell it to you, but they're not listening to KPLZ. They're listening to, <laughs> they're listening to Spotify. They're listening to Pandora. They're listening to Apple Music. They're listening to Amazon Music. You know, it's just, it's. I don't. It's tough. So, what happens when you throw a webinar and you have a respected, well-established social media expert, spent years with Cumulus, built a great reputation, very well liked, smart gal, Lori Lewis is who I'm talking about. You know who she is. Mm-hmm. And she throws a webinar on using, now this is, I'm going to read this because this is, this is the title of the seminar or the webinar. It's how to spend less time with social media while creating greater impact. Nice, catchy little phrase. It was a free webinar for the 1500 stations that are supposed to be in the IBA, the Independent Broadcasters Association. And you know the answer. So I don't even say guess the number, but guess the number, Keith. How many people showed up for Lori's webinar? I would think I would have guessed out of fifteen hundred stations, they probably would have had uh, I don't know, you know, a couple hundred, a couple hundred folks from all around the country that you know are doing social media for for uh, their clusters in small markets that don't get a lot of support or uh, advice. So yeah, a couple hundred. Yeah, that would have been my guess. Well, it was nine. The number was nine people, and so you you, you ask what's going on? Yeah, nine. We have more listeners to our podcast. Oh, let's not get arrogant. <laughs> but uh, the, the question is, is, is there something, it, it, what's going on? Are we seeing video fatigue or is this just a case where radio and TV stations are looking at social media and saying, why are we spending time and money on something that creates no revenue, 
that may be necessary for keeping our audience connected, or we think it's for keeping our audience connected, but it doesn't make any difference in our audience levels that we can determine. It doesn't make any difference in our billing. I mean, maybe, you know, you can slide a little, hey, don't forget to come to the remote this weekend, and you can promise your clients that. But what's going on here? Why, why would nine people, only nine people, show up for what was really a pretty good seminar that Lori put on? Uh, well, uh, maybe... Uh the promotional ability of the IBA is lacking and that not enough people knew about it okay. or were paying attention about it, or maybe there really aren't 1500. Clearly nobody made a big deal about it, even though we all knew what was going on. I think the other part is, is that um, most of social media, the experience I have of, of engaging in social media for media properties is driven by programming. It's not driven by sales. You see it in all the columns, you know, how to, how, to, how to engage your audience on Facebook, how to engage your audience through Twitter and Instagram. And you create a conversation and create, you know, co- you know, you know meaningful dialogue. And, you know, and it's like, and first of all, I don't think there is any, anything meaning, I don't think there are meaningful engagements with social media that we think are really going to help and drive revenue and drive listenerships. It's talk show hosts promoting the content of their show coming up, who the guest is going to be in the next hour, as if someone sitting at home on, on Facebook who's friended the station is going to see that and then go to the station to listen. I, I think that that motivation is really not there, and I don't think people really get it, but I think these, these content creators, these on-air folks and program directors, I'm sorry, brand managers really put too much value on the fact that really on, on social media, nobody gives a shit what's on your station and when and who and all that stuff. So I think part of this is that we're just so burned out as station people because everybody's driving. What are you doing on social media? How's your Facebook? How many likes do you have? We're so beyond that, that when Lori comes and does a seminar, it's like, you know what? That's so last year. We are so done with that. We're moving on to uh, video and we're moving on to the next thing that our consultants are telling us are really cool. And oh, by the way, there's a third of the people at the stations that you used to consult that are gone. They're still there. You know, so it's like everybody's there's not there's not a lot of people left to drive seminar attendance. Uh, so it's a it's a you know a vortex. There's this this confluence of of factors that have created the lack of demand for what brilliance Lori has to share. Yeah, I thought the the other thing that uh, I would uh, have been critical of is if you're going to do a video presentation, it's important in my mind's eye that you do a video presentation and you go on camera and you use your slides as props. But she just did the voiceover. And, you know, the, if we're communicating, let's communicate. That's the value of the video. You know, you can see somebody and, and you can see expressions and, and you can see, you know, grimaces. And that's why most people are pretty bad at it. I.e. the media insultants, but we still have fun with it. So who cares? Well, you know, but, but we're a two-man Zoom. You know, it's not. It's not these. We're we're Zoom to death. Our kids are on Zoom. We're on Zoom for meetings. I'm on Zoom for church committee meetings. I'm on Zoom. We're, in, we're just, we did Zoom happy hour on Saturday night with some friends, and you know they're scratching the dog and we're having fun. We're drinking cocktails and eating, and it's like you know what we used to do this at a freaking restaurant for a couple of four hours, blow through three or 400 bucks of wine and great food. And now, and now we're sitting on our couch, you know, and, and just like, well, that's really fun. What are you watching on, you know, you Hulu and oh man, let's get back together. So I think we're, yes, there is a massive amount of burnout on this stuff, but I do think that as consultants and as people who, who are thought leaders in our business, you know, I think we're, 
you know, it's like, we're on to the next thing. What's going to be the next thing? Because I'm so done with social. I'm so done with Facebook. And by the way, Facebook is killing us in ad sales. So we have to still feed that beast. But it's just, uh, I don't think that really people are that into it anymore. And by the way, I got to figure out how I'm going to go get uh, inoculated. I got to go get my vaccine. Well, it'd be interesting to see what kind of follow-up they do with 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 the webinar because uh, they're well, planning she, now to do a. She, she could do a personal phone call with nine people for yeah, a exactly. follow-up. It's not like it's not like there's a lot to do. Here's but my direct right. dial. Yeah, but I think also too, you know, how to do how to do webinars really well, how to do really good, effective uh, webinars with breakout groups and all of that at the end is is a, is a, is an important art, and I you know maybe um, she needs more help with that. You should think she'd have it down. Well, I'm getting the wrap-up signal from one of our producers, Keith. You know, they're doing this. And we have so, producers now? <laughs> didn't I tell you? Uh, all right, that's our secret. Uh, just don't forget the podcast version that you can pick up of Media Insultant on any of the platforms. Join us each Tuesday for Media Insultant. And Keith, thanks again. What a, you know, just this half hour goes like that. It's amazing. So thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Yeah, Oh, and I have I have a shameless plug, another shameless plug for for my my book of the week, actually my book of the month, okay? And uh, it's a great book about advertising. Ha, huh. an entertaining book about advertising, and it's written by a, um, a a guy that I went to 6th grade with in New Canaan, Connecticut. We went to East School together, and the most talented guy in our class, the coolest guy in our class was a guy named Bruce Van Dusen. I'd always wondered what happened to Bruce and some of the other classmates, you know, and that's the internet lets you, lets you kind of sort through and find out. And it turns out that Bruce became one of the biggest, well, pretty big, he says on the title of his book, commercial directors. So, you know, he went to film school. He had no idea what he was going to do. He goes to New York and he does a commercial. He, he pitches. He doesn't know the business. He just thinks he's, he's going to get some work. And so he pitches Crazy Eddie. On, on doing a commercial uh, series for Crazy Eddie and that electronics firm that ended up kind of in some legal issues. But he, he, that's how he started, was doing a, a spot for Crazy Eddie. But it's called 60 Stories, about 60 Seconds. And if you want to have a very entertaining, touching, revealing read about what it's like in the commercial production side of our business, on the television commercial side, he's worked with everybody and all the major brands, all the major actors, Academy Award winners, and, and the stories are unbelievably funny. They're just terrific. They're touching. It's the story of Bruce's life through his work, or maybe it's the story of his work through his life. But either way, it was amazing for me to, to read what happened to my 12-year-old buddy from e-school and, um, and some of the stories he tells, not the least of which are entertaining about the use of animals in commercials. There's some really great stories about that and some very, very interesting and, and touching anecdotes about what life is like in the production business. So 60 stories about 30 seconds on Amazon, Bruce Van Dusen. Uh, it's a great read. And I think uh, uh, you'll, you'll have not only a great appreciation about that side of the business, but you'll also learn about a really great guy. Yeah, I downloaded it this weekend. Looking forward to reading Enjoy. it. I think it'll be great. <laughs> That's great. You'll, you'll like the line, go, uh, do you have a lion? And the, and the guy tease. says, yeah, I do. It's, I got one in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy. Good to see you, buddy. You too, my friend. Have a good week. Bye, you Keith. too. All the best. 